Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Husker fans. Welcome to episode 189 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. And I'm Justin Swanson. Today, we talk to Eli Karp, co-editor-in-chief at Inside NU, about the Northwestern Wildcats. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Check out their website for their latest deals at cnbuffalo.com. Also brought to you by Monty Rohde with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Looking to buy or sell a home in Lincoln or know someone who does? Hit up Monty at 402-770-3356. Man, we are kind of rolling through this season, and it's only June. Is this the halfway point? Feels like it. Feels like Next we're getting week will there. Be halfway. Okay. Yeah. Is that right? Four, five. Yeah. 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 That is kind of wild. Uh, chugging away here. Uh, really interesting conversation with Eli Carp. We talk a lot about a lot of the stuff we normally talk about. This is the first week though where we finally had the uh, the questions from our friends at Eyes on Big from our super episode where they gave me questions for each each school. Right. So this was the first week where we finally got to do that. Okay. Elicited some good responses. Well, I would love to hear the the interview myself. So how about we get started? Roll it. We're excited to welcome Eli Carp to the show today. Eli is co-editor in chief at Inside NU at Northwestern University. Eli, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Justin. Appreciate the opportunity. Let's. Let's get started by looking back to 2019. Well, I mean, let's start real quick. You glanced the end of 2018. Uh, you've got uh, a division champion. The team goes to the Big Ten championship game. Uh, in the third quarter, even, it's it's kind of close before that kind of falls apart. So um, really great season, um, really high expectations. And then um, – uh, three nine season last year, what uh, what happened? Yeah, I think the dam kind of burst last year in a way. You had over the prior four seasons, thirty six wins, which for a program like Northwestern was incredible, um, and that's the level that they're really looking to shoot for consistently. Where you have eight nine wins a season, um, and ultimately. I think when you look at structurally what Northwestern was doing, especially on offense and, you know, you had Clayton Thorson who was the beacon of stability of uh, Mm -hmm. if, if nothing else, he was a stable option, a quarterback, um, having him depart, you always knew there was going to be some kind of question mark there. You thought maybe you were getting an upgrade with Hunter Johnson, the five-star transfer from Clemson. There were a lot of things last year that I think made his transition to being a starter tough, be it, uh, just trouble learning the playbook or his mom was sick within it, you know, was sick. And so he wasn't able to spend as much time around the I, program. I don't think I knew that. 
um, yeah, she, she was going through some cancer. And so mm. being in Indiana, That's he tough. was making a lot of trips back and forth and football just really for a, a good portion of the season was not what was, you know, primarily on his mind. So between many things and it just being a slow start in general for him, um, that definitely showed, you know, some of the deficiencies between then you have the, you know, in the season opener, TJ Green, who is battling with Hunter Johnson for the starting job, goes down with the season-ending foot injury. You're already down to your third stringer, you know, in the first month of the season. Aiden Smith, he started what, five or six games and was very ineffective. Um, and so ultimately now, I think, you know, you have a Peyton Ramsey coming in who can be that, you know, beacon of stability once again. But I guess when you look from 2018 to 2019, Northwestern, if you watch any of their games – basically from 2008 to through last year, Mick McCall was the offensive coordinator and any Northwestern fan will tell you that he needed to go long before that. And that the success that Northwestern had experienced before last year, you know, from 2015 through 2018 was not due to Mick McCall, but in spite of Mick McCall. Um, And I think really, again, the damn burst, it all came crashing down last year it was a very uncreative offense. Obviously, he wasn't working with much when it came to certain positions, but they certainly returned plenty of talent from the year before. But ultimately, uh, you know, the scheme, it was just outdated and it needed, needed a time for a change. Many would argue it was long overdue, but eventually it did come. And on the other side of the ball, it was, you know, the defense was fine. It returned plenty of talent as well, but didn't I think generally it was just tired it the offense had so many three and outs it was constantly on the field it would not force turnovers and one thing that a northwestern defense has been able to do you know when it was when it's been successful is not necessarily statistically blow you away but it would manage to come up with timely turnovers and impact plays there was none of that last year so I think when you put a generally demoralized defense that can't make any impact plays you know, which is not supported by any offense, it's going to result in a three and nine season. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty shocking with as much as Northwestern struggled that it came down to a walk-off field goal for Nebraska <laughs> to win. I think, I, we, I think we had six guys attempt field goals that, that last season. And that was, I think that was guy number three or something. And he had just come to campus. And I remember, um, Oh, what's his name? Adam Rittenberg kind of was sarcastic on Twitter. Like you guys just rushed the field after you, uh, after you beat a really bad Northwestern team. And um, I think he, uh, he backed off of that because it was the situation was quite unique, but um, that was a really frustrating game to watch for Nebraska. And I assume that maybe as uh, someone who covers Northwestern, that was maybe what the season was like for you, huh? Yeah, that was actually my first game, at least in the press box last year away from campus. So it was, uh, you know, I was very excited because, you know, when it comes to selecting who goes on certain trips of the staffers can go, we took three people and, you know, to go to, you know, if you're a Northwestern fan, Nebraska is kind of like kind of out there in a way and that like, oh, it's not somewhere you would normally go uh, mm-hmm. somewhere that sometimes a sporting event would take you and you hear about Nebraska football and like the experience of Memorial Stadium. And so I'm like, I got to go. And it was, was incredible. It? it was an, incre- an incredible experience aside from the actual gameplay, which as you mentioned, was a snoozer. Um, yeah. yeah. Cause it, I mean, it was, it was a very cool experience, but I agree. That was Aiden Smith's first start last year when I think that was when we were like, okay, what's going on here? Like we know Hunter hasn't been playing well, but 
wow, Aiden Smith is starting. And obviously there were a lot of things that happened in that game that I think probably irk both Northwestern and Nebraska fans. I think Northwestern fans will look at the no call on the uh, interception on in the last minute of the game that eventually set up Nebraska's game-winning field goal. I think you can look at Charlie Kubander missing a, you know, 36-yard field goal when, again, I remember I, you know, written prior to, you know, that game week that if Northwestern was to win, it was probably because they had the special teams advantage. Because, uh-huh. as you mentioned, Nebraska's kicker's unreliable, and it's not like they proved themselves to be reliable that day. It's just Northwestern couldn't take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, so I think when you look at that, it's it, it was it was a very – you know, exciting day as a, you know, an aspiring sports reporter to come uh-huh. to be there and experience this new environment. But the game itself, I agree, was just disappointing. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you had a good experience. Nebraskans pride ourselves in that. Uh, even even for visiting journalists uh, who I know you're not there to, to root for your team, but to cover it. Uh, I'm glad to hear you had a good experience. Um, so, uh, so moving now, looking towards, looking at now and, and towards the 2020 season, you mentioned Peyton Ramsey. You mentioned Hunter Thompson. What's I, Peyton Ramsey's transferring in? I assume he thinks he's going to start. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a crowded room. I think, and simply because there is a new offensive coordinator, the playing field is com- basically level for just about everyone. Sure, you had some a few spring practices where Hunter Johnson and T.J. Green, who T.J. Green's a sixth-year senior now after he got another year of eligibility since he was injured in the first game last year. Um, but TJ Green's prior you know, advantage over Hunter Johnson in last summer's quarterback battle is that he knew Mick McCall's playbook like the back of his hand, and so he was the reliable option. That's no longer you know, a factor because Mike Bajakian is in. This is a new system, and I think you have someone like Ramsey. You know, he, he apparently was interested in Northwestern, before he went to Indiana. And I think that the opportunity now presents itself, there is a little bit of a vacuum at quarterback. And so even though he would be a one-year solution, it would be a solution nonetheless. And I think if it's the difference at, between three and nine and a winning season, I mean, we'll plug in that winning, that one-year solution, right? Yeah. And, and I think if, if you talk to people, you know, around the program or even fans, they'll say, you know, with average quarterback play this is a bull team you know it, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense so when you look at Peyton Ramsey this is a capable big 10 starter I know you saw him play a great game against Nebraska last year yep. um, you know Michael Penix is the real deal at quarterback but Peyton Ramsey even rolled over the Northwestern defense when Penix was out in November um, so I think yes he probably has a slight edge now that that being said Hunter Johnson has kind of been a forgotten man right now. I think he was a bit of a, not a joking point, but of like, what happened to your five-star Northwestern? You messed him up. Like, of course, North, Northwestern would figure out how to mess up a five-star. It's never dealt <laughs> with one. Um, but I think between Green and Johnson, they're probably a little bit behind maybe, you know, B and C behind Ramsey is A. Okay. What um... – What's what's the rest of the team looking like? What are, what are strengths and weaknesses outside of quarterback? What are strengths and weaknesses of this team? Uh, understanding yeah. that you don't have a full spring practice to work off of. Sure. So I think one of the overall strengths, which might seem counterintuitive, just based on if you're looking at last year's record, is the returning production that Northwestern has. Obviously, there wasn't a lot of production in general last year, but uh, the returning talent is up there. And if you take, you know, if you remove the quarterback position 
again, this is a team that can go to a bowl, win eight games, something around that. Um, so I think that continuity, especially with a new, you know, a new scheme on the off- offensive side of the ball is helpful. You have, I, and I think this was a vast overlooked point last year is that it took a little while for the offensive line to get going. You had a new offensive line coach in Kurt Anderson, which I think was a good hire. Obviously we'll wait a couple of years to really see how this pans out, but I believe that is trending in the right direction. Nor offensive line under the prior coach, Adam Cushing, who's now the head guy at Eastern Illinois was never a strength. Uh, and I think if Northwestern can just get it to being, you know, not a liability, that's a huge step. And you lost three starters before last year. Now you have more continuity. Rashawn Slater moves from right tackle to left tackle. He's now a preseason All-American, as you know, said yesterday. You have him on, you know, anchoring the left side of the line. And I think you've also got Peter Skaronsky coming in, one of Northwestern's highest ever recruits, highest ever offensive line recruit, a very high four-star who will arrive on campus very soon. Um, so I think regarding the offensive line, I'm relatively confident they'll be able to figure things out. Running back-wise, you have Isaiah Bowser, who, again, injuries just kind of, after his, he burst out of the scene as a freshman, injuries derailed sophomore year. Uh, but I think, you know, I, I think he'll be back and that'll be fine. Um, you got a host of other people back there. Drake Anderson has shown that he's a nice change of pace. Uh, not necessarily reliable per se, but I think that's also suitable. Wide receivers have never been a strength for Northwestern, but I think... Again, with a different scheme, you might not see them used the way they've always been used. Uh, so I well, think, and you you yeah. lost your your leading wide receiver, right? He transferred out. Yeah, Skoranek, after an injury uh, last year, was considering transferring. Then he did. Now he's at Notre Dame, uh, and so was that a big surprise to you? Yes and no. I think he he has NFL aspirations just based on his athletic build. Uh, even if his production in the three years at Northwestern never really spoke to that, but I think he does. And I think he realized that for, you know, he has one year of eligibility left. Was he going to really get his best opportunities and showcase himself at Northwestern again, when it was uncertain what was happening with the offensive side of the ball, or if he goes somewhere like Notre Dame, which has a very stable quarterback position and you know, he can get plenty of exposure to the NFL scouting community. So I don't think, and and he's going to be losing. He figured he'd be learning a new playbook either way. Right. You know, if he stays. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they, they played without Skoranek basically the entire year last year. So I don't think that's the biggest of issues. Maybe last year it was, um, and that's a you know a big body athletic frame, but you have all these young wide receivers going into last year. We were talking about how Northwestern's wide receiving core was potentially the deepest we'd seen in a few years. That never really came to pass, but I still think it's a very talented room. I just don't think it was ever put to use in the right way. You have players like Malik Washington and JJ Jefferson, uh, Genson Hooper Price and Bryce Kurtz were both very two highly touted wide receiving recruits who came in last year and you know, really didn't see the field much. So now as they're getting a little bit older, I think you're going to see a bit of a new wave of uh, Northwestern receivers. So that's offensively. Defensively, it's just doesn't really matter who's there, to be quite honest. Mike Hankwitz, Marty Long. Uh, Mike Hankwitz is a defensive coordinator who has been doing this forever. Marty Long is a defensive line coach who makes bodies productive no matter who he's given. Um, I think the secondary is a bit rebuilding, but after, you know, Last year, or the year before losing Montre Hardage, 
um, Jared McGee, J.R. Pace, but it, it came back pretty well. And you have what should be a very good linebacking core. Patty Fisher, another person given preseason second team All-American. He's still there. Gosh, I feel like he is still there. He's coming back for a senior season because I think on a personal level and on a team level, he didn't probably meet his expectations last year. And I think draft stock fell a little bit. He will be drafted barring something unforeseen. He will probably be Northwestern's highest drafted player in quite a few years. But if he's able to piece together another, you know, 110 plus tackle season where he's anchors and is the true anchor of a good Northwestern defense with one that he can show better ball skills and pass coverage. You're talking about a second round pick, maybe a first round pick, but at the moment I'd have to think he's around a third round pick, but you have him and Bryce Gallagher as well as Chris Bergen. It is a very formidable um, linebacking core. And then you have Travis Willock who will be a senior, uh, Patty Fisher's buddy from Katy, Texas. They're high school friends who anchors, you know, anchors a safety position. So I think when you look at that, there's it, it was a growing up year for various parts of Northwestern's defense. And will Joe Gaziano being gone be, you know, he was one of those four-year reliable, one of the best players in program history. Yes, that will be felt. But I think we go through this nearly every year when you look at Northwestern is you have one player leaving on defense or two, and how are they going to replace them? And every year it ends up being okay. So I think the the task this year is figuring out how to be more aggressive on defense and get after the quarterback. But when you look at the team overall, it's not losing that much. And okay. again, if you have a better system in place offensively and you can just fix a few things. And again, I think part of this year is that they don't face that hard of a schedule. So there is a chance for this team to definitely get back to a bowl, maybe even do a little more. Hmm. Well, I'm looking, let's talk about the schedule for a little bit. I've got it pulled up here. Uh, like Nebraska, Northwestern starts off with the big 10 game uh, to open the season at Michigan state. So that, you know, that is I, in, for, I think it's, it stinks in a way more for in our situation, because it's a division game. Um, you know, if it, it's, you don't want to lose a conference game, but at least if you lose, a home opener to uh, on someone in the other division. That's not quite as bad, but it's still, anyway, it's a tough, tough an op- opener. And then you got Tulane and then you play central Michigan. So Nebraska and play central Michigan as well. will have a common opponent to compare. Then you go to Penn state, um, which will be tough. Um, hosting Nebraska, October 3rd, then Maryland. Then you go to Iowa, to Purdue, host Wisconsin, host Morgan state. So that's, a nice little buffer there at the end at Minnesota, uh, finish it up, uh, with Illinois. Yeah. So interesting schedule as you kind of like look at the pieces of this team that we've talked about and, and look through that schedule. What, what do you think is reasonable expectation for this team? Yeah, I'd say reasonable expectations seven and five. And I know coming up a three and nine season, that's crazy, but I think naturally things have to regress to the mean anyway. And I think they're going to be a better team. A much better team than they were last year. Um, so I think, you know, when you look at the schedule, last year's was all about a very front-loaded schedule. Northwestern has been known, at least under the last few years, under Pat Fitzgerald as not being a fast-starting team, at least in terms of yeah. the first month of the season, uh-huh. whether it is a home slip-up and a bye game or just, you know, coming out flat. So that was a big problem last year, and it proved to be a problem. Um, so I think... 
when you look at the Big Ten schedule, I think at least if you're opening up on the road in the Big Ten, having Michigan State as an opponent isn't terrible because this is a program that has gone the wrong way the last few years. Northwestern has never feared playing Michigan State, and it is completely rebuilding now that Mel Tucker had to take over a team that he couldn't see in person. So I think – of all the ways to start a schedule, you know, if you had to face a Big Ten opponent, yeah. that's not the worst thing in the world. Good point. Um, then you have, you know, Tulane and Central Michigan. Any Northwestern fan will tell you those are not buy games because yeah. Northwestern has always found ways to slip up. Um, regarding the Big Ten schedule, Penn State will probably be between Penn State or Wisconsin. Uh, will be the hardest games they play. And even though they host Wisconsin, that will probably feel like an away game because it's being played at, at least for now, is being played at Wrigley. Um, And so obviously that is a cool experience, but if going on history, I mean, hopefully they'll they'll be able to reform it, but against Illinois, it was a a little bit of a, just an issue, I guess, playing there because you had the wind at one point made it impossible to play both ways. So everything had to be played one way in the stadium. Oh, um, was yeah, was that know? the deal where the wall was too close too, or am I thinking of a different baseball? Area? That too, I think both of those things played into it. Um, wow. But now Northwestern, I think last year signed this deal with the Cubs and Wrigley that I think over the next what is it six or eight years they're going to play there every two years. Huh. So they must have worked something out where it's going to be better. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but no Ryan Field, you know, tall grass advantage. It will not be a fan advantage. I can put a solid wager down that there would be more Wisconsin fans there than Northwestern fans. Yeah. Um, but when you look at the rest of the schedule, you have a Nebraska team that, and I, I know there's always plenty of hype surrounding it, but has it gotten better from last year? You know, Adrian Martinez will be healthy, but, like, how, how much better are they overall? They've had some transfers out. J.D. Spielman the most recently. <laughs> Maryland has been – good at recruiting, but it hasn't translated to the field. Um, That's also a game they get at home with a new coach. If you're going to Iowa and Purdue, you know, either of those teams, they they once again seem like they're going to be, you know, middle of the pack in the Big Ten. Iowa doesn't have Nate Stanley anymore. They're they're probably going to have a Nate Stanley-like figure, but he won't be, you know, as the veteran presence filling right in just yet. Um, Purdue's injury situation will probably be better. But uh, I think when you look at the schedule, there are plenty of games out there that Northwestern can win, I think, especially just because, you you know, it's basically Penn State and Wisconsin and then everyone else. And so – and maybe – and Minnesota. We'll see if Minnesota can sustain, you know, again, it's one year of success. Yeah. so we'll see. I think they're building something there, but this will be an interesting year for them. So I think when you look at that, it's not a tough schedule for them. Cool. Yeah, manageable for sure. A uh, few, a few more questions here for you. We um, we talked with some friends at an in another podcast called Eyes on Big that kind of covers all the Big Ten, and I uh, we did a kind of a season preview where we walk through each of the big 10 opponents and they came up with some questions for each of the teams. So, so these are the eyes on big questions and actually you addressed a couple of them as far as who's going to catch the ball. You, you, you seem confident that there's a young uh, group of receivers that it's going to rise up. Yeah. I think again, you didn't see it last year, but I think, you know, yeah. you have Riley Lees who is a senior who will lead the way. Then you have, and you and Kyrick McGowan, who I thought was going to have a breakout season last year after having a pretty solid 2018 
He is now a senior. He's got very good, very good speed. And then again, you know, these young guns. I think you're going to see some names that you haven't seen before um, begin to make an impact. And then uh, you, you just you mentioned the long grass. So is that a strategic decision to have long grass at Ryan Field? I don't know. I'm really not sure. It's like okay. kind of a fabled thing that like among Northwesterns kind of, at least to others that, you know, the joke that is Ryan Field is a college stadium and you got, you know, untamed grass and slows players down. It does slow players down. I think Northwestern is more used to that because I don't know if it is intentionally done, but, you know, generally speaking at Northwestern historically has not maybe had the athleticism of other teams in the Big Ten. So one thing that that long grass does, as opposed to playing on turf, is it slows you down a little more, and it begins to level at least it's that an equalizer athleticism a little bit. gap. Yeah. yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah, Nebraska media and fans all always comment on the long grass every year or every other year, I guess. Um, and then the last question they said, uh, they asked, is the Fitzy magic over? Um, was last year kind of like a preview of the end or – you know, he made some changes. So what do you think? Yeah, it's not the end. I think okay. you can get angry. At, I, know, I know, you know, whether it's media member or a fan can get angry at Fitz because he just always seems like, you know, I'm going to do it my way. And it's the way plenty of college coaches are. But I think getting rid of Mick McCall has been, you know, their primary, uh, I guess, annoyance with Fitz the last number of years. Now that McCall is gone, Fitz has signaled he's, He's willing to shake things up a little bit. He knew that things really couldn't – it was not sustainable to keep an offense like that around. So I think fans maybe – it's almost like, wow, we have been waiting so long for this to happen, but we don't know how to react when it does happen. So it'll be interesting to see – and that's for when McCall was fired. It, it'll be interesting to see when the offense takes the field – it's, you know, just because it looks different, that doesn't mean it's going to score every drive. And I think, you know, that might be an interesting thing for Northwestern fans in the same way that just because Clayton Thorson left, you know, just because things look different, that doesn't mean it's going to work every time. Sure. Um, well, and you layer a pandemic over that and that raises the degree of difficulty. Exactly. Yeah. What, um, what kind of offense is he bringing in? I'm sorry, I'm not familiar. Yeah, I mean, the thing about at least what, we know about Mike Pajakian is that he doesn't have one set offense, you know, the way that Mick McCall runs this hybrid spread complex to figure out what it is, even though it looks very simple because they run the same five plays. Um, but Mike Pajakian, the, at least the notion on him is that he is able to tailor a scheme to his players every stop where he's gone. Um, one of the things he did last year at BC with A.J. Dillon was a run-heavy team. I think ran a lot. Um, and I, I know that what he wants to do is be up-tempo, and he wants to keep the defense on its heels. He wants the offense to really control the line of scrimmage, and I think there will probably be some run-first aspect to it. I don't know how strong that will be, but I think – you're going to see, you know, Northwestern historically, you know, with Mick McCall played a very, uh, you know, um, control the clock, just eat up time, um, you know, very possession-based offense. I don't think that's what we're going to see. And so that's what's going to be a little different for people watching Northwestern is you're not going to see this ball control offense that Fitz has always talked about, you know. If we just make put together a couple, you know, long drives a game and convert them, that'll be enough. I don't think that's the notion with Mike Pajakin, but we'll see. Interesting. Well, um, 
thank you for, for your time and expertise. Um, where can our listeners be reading uh, the material you and your colleagues are putting out about this? Sure. So we are at InsideNU.com. Um, we are the SB Nation blog covering Northwestern, I guess, nor, uh, Northwestern's version of Corn Nation. Um, and so we are actually all student run. We are technically, you know, not affiliated with the school, but uh, actually started by Roger Sherman, I guess, who initially began the idea for it uh, over 10 years ago. He now writes for The Ringer. Then his blog, uh, Sippin' on Purple, morphed into Inside NU in, I think, 2013. Um, and so ever since then, we've been all Northwestern students, the majority of us in journalism school, some of us not, um, but we are uh, fully student-run, and uh, we, we like it that way, just uh, kind of talking the talk about Northwestern sports and yeah. anything related to it. And as far as I understand it, you guys are kind of the primary beat reporters. I mean, there's you know, like Teddy Greenstein will write about Northwestern, but he doesn't focus solely on Northwestern like you guys do. So like you're, you're kind of the show when it comes to beat reporters, right? Yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, Northwestern is this interesting place because you're in the Big Ten and you have a lot of other, you know, you have this exposure that other Power Five schools do, but you don't have the national media attention that other schools do. So a lot of that coverage goes to the students. So between, you know, the Daily Northwestern, the student newspaper, and us, we are really the, you know, the primary sources on Northwestern uh, athletics, especially football and basketball. So, you know, people, people can't voice their complaints to ESPN or anyone. They voice them to us. They come to us for it. Yikes. Um, so and I know just talking to your predecessors, you guys have gotten, you've had pretty good access to Fitzgerald. Do you have any, do you guys have any plans for like a, a sit down with him anytime soon or this off season? Has that happened or will it? You know, I think there's a lot up in the air, at least just schedule wise with everything going sure. on right now. I know in the past we've done that. Um, I think they're, they did an availability with, uh, him and some coaches and some selected student athletes a couple of weeks ago, just for general media. Um, I think for the moment we're kind of just yeah waiting, waiting for guidance. Everything's kind of up in the air. Um, you might have said it, but in case you didn't, can you just read it? what? What's your uh, Twitter handle and and uh, Inside NU's Twitter handle and all that? Yes. So the Inside NU Twitter handle is just at Inside NU, one word, and mine is at Carp K A R P underscore Eli E L I. So uh, the in, inside NU, just Google it. But what's the URL? URL insideNU.com. Okay, it's everything's inside NU, guys. It's not that hard. All right, super. Well, good luck to you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your summer, and uh, I hope uh, you know we're all counting on a pseudo normal fall, at least as far as what's happening on the field. Who knows what'll happen in the stands in the press box? But um, uh, yeah, good luck. Thanks so much, Justin. I really appreciate it. Yeah, take care. Thanks again to Mr. Carp for joining us on the podcast. I'm looking forward to listening to this episode. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's interesting. I, I, I wonder, I just feel like we can relate in a lot of ways to Northwestern in recent years where there's perhaps some big expectations. And then sometimes you're kind of like throwing your hands up in the air saying like, I don't even know what to expect from this team right now. I mean, was, was some of that frustration expressed by... Eli. Yeah, yeah, we got into that and he had some interesting thoughts about about why things went the way they did last year in particular. I guess you don't need to retread it because everybody who's listening to us talk about it right now already yeah. heard that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're the only one who right. hasn't heard it at this point, Mike. 
But by the, the crazy conundrum is that by the time this publishes, I will then be the first person who's heard it. Oh, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, interesting developments across the river yeah. right here in the Midwest. So uh, today, we're recording on Monday, Iowa has decided they will part ways with strength coach Chris Doyle with a $1.1 million settlement. Hmm. Um, for him to resign so that's he was the highest paid strength coach in the country with eight hundred thousand dollars a year and had been there the whole time uh that kirk has been there kirk ferentz so huge huge massive seismic shift for them but i mean it, it came out that he'd been treating players uh especially players of color differently than white players or at the very least making players of color feel uncomfortable and and not well not like they could speak up so um, you know, in this in this day and age, with the the way things are going socially, I mean, you just can't do that. That's so so they're making the change, and it sounds like it's for the best. It'll be interesting to see if Kirk Ferentz keeps his job, as his son was also uh, a target of criticism. I guess all this all started on on Twitter as a result of kind of the protests and the aftermath of the George Floyd killing, and um, so. It's uh, you, Mike. Mike and I have not had much to say about this on on social media because, you know, it's it's kind of Iowa's situation over there. That's I think there's a there, for all that is said between Iowa and Nebraska fans. I mean, we're all Midwesterners, and so if they have some glaring shortcomings, it's probably not highly unlikely that Nebraskans maybe have some similar shortcomings. So uh, you know, don't want to point the finger and and it all make light or laugh or or speak disparagingly of the, them when you don't want to point at the speck in our neighbor's eye when maybe we have a log on our own. So anyway, yeah. um, I, I would just personally, for more on this story in particular, I, I've been following uh, Mark Morehouse and Scott Docterman. They're kind of my go-to Iowa sources. Um, Mark with the Cedar Rapids Gazette and Scott with The Athletic. Uh, Mark's been a, a guest on our show a couple of times, and they do the On Iowa podcast, so... Um, last week, they just went really in-depth on the accusations that were coming out and the questions, and I, I, I look forward to their episode this week. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a reckoning in our country right now about how people of color have been treated, and it's, um, you know, it's probably past due, and it's exciting uh, that it's happening. It's you know, terrible what it took to, to happen, but here we are, and it's it's crazy how things can seismically shift, and a week or a couple days even. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to speak to our, I guess, silence about Iowa thus far, I, I think it should be stated that when you get down to brass tacks, like any hatred we have for Iowa is, it's just smack talk. It's a surface level. Like you don't want to find out that this kind of stuff is happening anywhere let alone your neighbors right across the river, right? Like, and so, I I guess for me, what I'm trying to say is that, like, yeah, we like to hate on Iowa, but like, oh my gosh, what a terrible situation that, uh, uh well, first off, may have been happening over at that school for how many for years, right? Twenty one years, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then also just like you feel bad for everybody affected by that because like that's just I mean that that like you said that could just as easily be something that's come out about Nebraska uh, in whether it's in the football world or some other sport you don't want to hear about that happening anywhere and so um, so I guess at, at 
So I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like, yeah, we, this is not the time to get on Twitter and start talking trash about like, oh, now what are you going to do without your strength coach? Like that, it's, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's, uh, but yeah, strength coach is such a key position in any staff. And you think about just the attached at the hip uh, mentality that Frost has with Duvall. And that's, you know, that's a guy that your strength coach is the one who spends the most time with these players. I mean, coaches are really limited in how much time they can spend, especially off season. Um, that strength coach is like the number one guy. So that speaks to, you know, par- it speaks to the importance of the position. And then when you think that Kirk has had this guy for 21 years, the whole time he was paid 800,000, you just, he had a lot of power. And I think what a lot of this is speaking to is just power disparities and power imbalances. And when players feel like they can't have a voice. And I mean, you look at Iowa's social media policy where they couldn't tweet, they couldn't in season, they couldn't have any sort of uh, voice uh, versus here at Nebraska where, you know, some players have, have decided to step off of social media from time to time, but you mm-hmm. know, you're, they're welcome to say what they want and, um, and, and learn from, from what happens if they do say something and step in it. Um, so they're, you know, almost kind of like a paternalism over there that, uh, you know, again, don't want to, I don't want to be too condescending because I'm, you know, Nebraskans have weaknesses too, but, um, you know, it's, it sounds like it's a system, it's a situation that really needed to be addressed and, and, you know, thankful for the movement in society right now that's helping especially people of color find yeah. a voice and in, in society. So, um, it'll probably be an ongoing story and I, you know, hopefully we can find the time to connect with Mark Morehouse later this summer to talk with him about Iowa football, but I'm sure that we'll, There'll have been a lot more to happen in this in this story, and we can talk more about that with him at that time. Really looking forward to that. Yeah. Justin, you and I, historically on this podcast, we have remained an X's and O's podcast, right? We have not got dipped our toes into politics or even just, like, internal UNL politics. We haven't gone there. We've stuck to X's and O's for the most part. We've talked about football and anything that's happening off the field uh, in terms of Nebraska football, we, we haven't gone there talking about players or coaches' personal lives or anything like right. that. Um, but I am willing to go out on a limb here, and uh, I'll speak for the both of us and say the Husker Pod is an anti-racist podcast. I appreciate that. I actually just finished a book that I would recommend. It's full of insights and challenges i'm pulling up my goodreads right now because i i logged it earlier today and i can't remember exactly what it's called in the name of the author so i just want to make sure i get it right it's called how to be an anti-racist by ibram x kendi and um it's 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 both personal and talking about his his growth and learning about it's you you just gotta there's got to be more than saying um i'm not racist and to go a step further and to be anti-racist. So it's really personal, but then it's also, it, he balances that with like broad historical explanations and societal illustrations. So uh, really powerful book. I listened to it. It was read by, by him, by the author. Um, so that's, that's a resource I'd recommend. Right I'd challenge you for sure. Cool. Thanks. Uh, and, and also you, you talked about, we try not to dip our toe into politics. I would say that this is, it's just a human issue, right? It's beyond politics. Yeah, and- absolutely. It's um, it's just tough, and and uh, you know, I would hope that at the very least at Nebraska, 
if something like this came to light, that they would also make the right decision. I'll just say that. I, I think that I, I certainly believe that they would. And if they didn't, I think that there's enough people who care about people being treated the right way that in, in the state that there would be, you know, voices raised in protest saying, mm-hmm. you got to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Yeah. We are a couple of white guys, so we are definitely fumbling over our words here, but we hopefully you can hear our heart through what we're saying here. Yeah, it's important, important yeah. stuff. Well, on a lighter note, Justin, I beat Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild this past week. That is, that is a lighter note. Um, congratulations. I... I just figured uh, I'd bring it up since I revealed that I have a Nintendo Twitter last week. That's all. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I can. I read, I read an adaptation of the original Bambi novel to my children with oh. painted pictures. We're on this kick of reading the original source material for Disney cartoons. I imagine some and, of that could be terrifying for a child. Yeah, Bambi's dark. I mean, um, we all remember like Mama getting shot in in the movie, but it's. Uh, I mean, it's. It, I think the author was trying to be true to nature, and nature's rough. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a place for soft. Little animals. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, speaking of of soft little animals and nature taking its course, <laughs> are you hungry? Hey, one of our uh, longtime listeners tweeted at us that he bought a uh, a grill box from Central Nebraska Buffalo. Nice. That's, that's so a, cool. That's a value pack of of buffalo meat. That's a smorgasbord of bison. I'm jealous. I am too, although I did have uh, I did have a couple burgers last night off the grill that were pretty good. So, but you know what's also really good is bison burgers. If you haven't tried that, I highly recommend it. Uh, that was part of my last order from Central Nebraska Buffalo. So, uh, yeah, get on it, folks. It is prime grilling season. Absolutely, except for these afternoons where it's like. 65 mile an hour gusts of blazing heat yeah that's sub suboptimal yeah but uh beyond that yeah good good grill weather it is also a prime time for real estate that's right I know that we've mentioned this a few times on the podcast but whereas many industries have slowed down lately uh real estate has not it continues to be um a very active situation in terms of buying and selling homes so uh, again, we always want to commend Monty Rohde to you. Um, he is a longtime uh, resident of Lincoln, so he's not some Johnny-come-lately who's coming in who thinks that he knows everything. This is somebody who lives in Lincoln. He's part of your community. He can help you either buy or sell your next home. He knows what he's doing. Reach out. 402-770-3356. And, of course, you can always email him to monty.rohde, that's M-O-N-T-Y dot R-O-H-D-E at prglincoln.com. Well, like you said at the up front, we are almost halfway through the season. Got uh, Illinois and Rutgers on the docket, actually with a buy in between. So that's kind of, at this point in the schedule, the Huskers need to be focused. We need these wins if we want to get bowl eligible. And then they got to take a deep breath before the gauntlet of at Ohio State, Penn State, yeah, at Iowa, at Wisconsin, Minnesota. Woo! 
So enjoy those easy breezy days of summer with Illinois and Rutgers. <laughs> I would be a-okay with Nebraska starting with a five-win streak this season just so that we can hopefully somewhere on the back end of the season eke a couple out, get to a bowl game, and continue progressing towards future success. Awesome. Go Big Red, Mike. Go Big Red! The Husker Football Fan Podcast is an unofficial, non-commercial podcast and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast belong solely to the individuals expressing them. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the University of Nebraska. Nebraska.